This is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. My guest this week is Noah Klein. Noah, who grew up in Northfield, began taking piano lessons at age five before switching to organ at around 12. He completed his undergraduate studies at the Jacobs School of Music at Indiana University and is currently pursuing his master's degree at the uber-prestigious Yale School of Music. Formerly the organist of the University Church at Yale, he is now the director of music at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church in Connecticut. We're lucky to have him back in Northfield this week for an organ recital. More details on that and Noah's musical life coming up. It's time to talk with Noah Klein. Welcome, Noah, to Musician Talk. Hi, glad to be here. I'm so glad you are. You're out on the East Coast and uh, agreed to do the Zoom meeting prior to your, your recital that you're doing at UCC in Northfield next Wednesday. So that's really, mm-hmm. really awesome. So yeah. What I'd like to start with is uh, your musical journey and just, you know, take me through when you first started playing piano through your what you did in school up to now. Yeah. So I began taking piano lessons at around five or six uh, my parents just wanted me to do that as just something to do just because I had too much free time to keep me busy. And um, it was it was a long couple of years. I wanted to quit a lot of times, but my parents did let me quit, which is good because it eventually paid off. But no kidding. my early teachers were very patient with me. <laughs> um, so I, I kept on with that. And in high school or in middle school and high school, I was in bands and then high school in choir, which really helped expose me to a lot more um, different kinds of music and really encouraged me to pursue music more. Uh, And then I eventually started uh, taking organ lessons around 11, I think, because my dad is the pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in town. So I grew up hearing organ music a lot in church, and I thought it'd be an interesting instrument to pursue. It's like a piano, but a bigger piano with more sounds and more keyboards. So that just seemed like a very fun instrument to play. And my first teacher, Richard Coleman, who is a retired pastor and organist in town, he was my first teacher and he began my um, journey playing the organ. I also took some lessons from various St. Olaf students who would teach me as part of their um, curriculum and getting better at teaching. Um, Yeah, and then after some years of that, I eventually went to Indiana University to study my undergraduate degree at the Jacob School of Music. So I spent four years there and it was a very, got a very good education there. It was, it's a very good music program. It's the largest music school in the country by numbers. So wow. they have a lot of good resources and a lot of good um, teachers there. And then after I graduated, I came here to Yale and I already finished one year of my master's program and I'll complete my second year this year. So Wow. Well, congratulations. Wow, that's yeah, impressive. Very impressive. So um, did you take lesson, piano lessons from teachers in town in Northfield? Yeah, so I had a couple. My first was Lori Ramig, um, but I also took lessons from Duane Wee in town. He's a oh, notable yeah. Yeah, piano teacher. Just a couple blocks down from me. I, I know both, yeah. both the Wees. They're so wonderful. And I yeah. can see Duane being very patient, a very, very patient teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he really was. But uh, yeah, so I, I've taken a lot of, um, you know, local, had a lot of local teachers. So that was very nice to have 
you know, Northfield just has so much of a good musical community. So that's, that's a blessing for sure. No kidding. That's why I'm able to do this show because there's so mm-hmm. m- many musicians in this town. I mean, I interview people like you from outside of town, but um, kind of make it more, keep it more local for interviewing people from Northfield or having gigs in Northfield or living mm-hmm. in Northfield currently. So you started taking Oregon at 11. Now, when you were taking just piano lessons, you said the first couple of years were tough because you had to quit <laughs> and your parents didn't let you and mm-hmm. um, good for them. And so mm-hmm. how about, how did you feel about Oregon when you first started that? Because that seems like another, a whole nother step of complication. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it is a, a lot of people, they, you know, they start with piano and then they move to Oregon and yep. it is pretty intimidating when you first get to it. You know, there's, two or more keyboards and there's a whole like pedal board you play with your feet there's all these buttons on either side of you and you're not even sure what they mean so it's a lot of like getting used to the lingo and kind of the nomenclature and you know getting the feel for the in- instrument but i um, mean this with time you get more comfortable with the instrument and you can really realize how to use all of its different sounds to produce you know a good musical effect so it's just take a lot of trial and error to figure out how to maneuver around, but once you get the hang of it, it's very fun to play. And we'll talk more about that in detail because I don't know much about or- Oregon, and I, I think a lot of people don't. You, you know, we know what the hands mm-hmm. do, kind of, but all the buttons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll get a little tutorial on that. But were you from the beginning when you started Oregon? Did you feel like it was a fit? Uh, not, yeah, not not quite at first. You know, obviously there's a learning curve, but. I think after the first couple of years, I gravitated more toward the organ uh, rather than the piano because, well, organ is just a lot less competitive um, oh, like sure. circle for one. <laughs> but also, I just like the repertoire, the music for the organ, and also the different sounds. And also the aspect of every organ is different. Like every piano is pretty standardized, but sure. every organ is very unique. And it's, you know, there's different builders and there's no really standardization. So each organ kind of has its own personality that makes it distinct. That so is, I, I kind of like that aspect. Yeah, that's really cool. I never even thought of that. Intrinsically, you know, because you go to different churches and you see that, that the organs are all very, very different. But to mm-hmm. really think about playing them, that it, it's a different animal every time you sit down to play an organ, I bet. Yeah, even if two organs are similar, the space affects the sound a lot too. So even if you have the same instrument in a different space, you know, the space is half the instrument, they say. So even that affects it. So cool. So when you were in um, growing up in in high school and in college, what kind of performance opportunities did you have? And were they all on organ? Or did you perform on piano as well? Um, Not as much piano now. But yeah, mostly just organ. Um, I was I was asked to do, you know, a couple, even just this past year, uh, the small church out here in Connecticut wanted me to give a recital on their organ. It's a very small church kind of out in the country, but they're, it, they're celebrating the 60th anniversary of their you know, small, humble pipe organ, but they were very proud of it. So they asked me to do a recital to kind of showcase it, which was very nice. That is very um, cool. Yeah. I've accompanied some people for their recitals. I did a organ and French horn uh, collaboration for this kids recital in undergrad, which is very interesting. No I never kidding. thought of those two instruments going together, but uh, yeah, but then I uh, won the uh, Great Lakes Regional uh, Young Organist competition in the summer of 2019. So that's got me gigs in Columbus, Ohio and Grand Rapids, Michigan. So 
those are fun recitals to do too. So pretty much when you're an organ player, you play that type of organ. It's pretty much your gigs are recitals. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah recitals or yeah. Churches. Or if you're playing you right and play, it. Yeah, recital series. Mm-hmm. Got it. All right. And now um, you have a gig as a director of music at a church mm-hmm. in Connecticut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when did you get that job? I got it this past summer. I won't start till next month, but yeah, it's. That's so exciting. It, yeah, there's, awesome. there's a lot of churches out there that need organists, so it's it's never too hard to find some sort of church job somewhere. So um, let's move to the first song, which is Basil Harwood's Organ Sonata Number One, Opus Five, and we're just we're just going to play the first four and a half minutes or so of it. But why don't you just set this up for me? Why did you choose this song to play, and where where, where and when you recorded it, etc. Yeah, so I played this uh, back in February for my one of my recitals here at Yale. Um, I chose this piece because it's a it's a English not it's very much in the English kind of Victorian style. Mm-hmm. Basil Hardwood was a 19th century British composer, and this is a style I wasn't really accustomed to, so I wanted to learn this piece to kind of get more familiar with the style, and especially playing it on at at the organ at Yale. It's one of the most like famous organs of the in the country it's very historical it's sort of like the crown jewel of like 19th century american organ buildings it's very historically preserved and it's the kind of piece that works really well in that organ so i learned the piece for that music but also i wanted to really uh, use a lot of the sounds and characteristics of that you know wonderful instrument that we have here at yale what an opportunity to get to play that instrument wow yeah, that's pretty. That's that, very nice. <laughs> really, really cool. So you said that you hadn't played that style before. What do? You, what style is it? Because I would. It sounds yeah. to me like it's traditional organ music. Yeah, yeah, but within the genre of organ music, that's that's um, this piece is very English. I don't really know how to describe it other than very English and Victorian. It's you can kind of imagine yourself walking through Westminster Abbey or something while listening to it. You know, it's very kind of genteel, but has, you know, some edge to it. Very dramatic too. It's, you know, kind of echo opening, you know, really sets the stage for a dramatic piece. Sure. And before we listen to this, I guess I do want to have our tutorial now so that we can think about these things when we're listening to the piece. Okay. So you have the, the keys that you play like a piano and mm-hmm. then you have what your feet are doing, which I'm not sure if you could explain that. And then you have all the different sounds, um, the different switches that you can hit um, mm-hmm. for the different sounds. So A, just kind of take me through what those things do and how it changes the sound and what you do with your feet. And then B, how do you choose your sounds? Because there's got to be a multiple iteration of different combinations of sounds that you could do when yeah. you play the organ. So those yeah. three things. <laughs> Yeah, so just to give a little crash course. So all the different kind of knobs and buttons you see on the side, as you'll see in the video, um, those are called stops. So they each control different sounds. And there's four main different types of sounds that organs have. Uh, one of them is the principal sound. It's like the main classic organ sounds that kind of serves as the foundation. There's the flutes, which obviously try to mimic flutes. This, they're literally just metal or wood pipes that just act like a flute. Uh, there's reeds, which are pipes that have a little piece of metal in it called a languid, and it kind of acts like a clarinet or saxophone and like vibrates and creates a buzzing noise. 
So that kind of emulates trumpets or reed sounds in an orchestra. So that's kind of how an organ achieves that. And then also string pipes, which try to emulate uh, string instruments like violins and cellos. And to help with this effect, they have some pipes are tuned slightly lower so that if you have two of them playing together, it creates a kind of um, oscillation effect that kind of tries to mimic the string sound. So you can see with these four different types of sounds, they, they really try to imitate an orchestra. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like a synthesizer, but it's with it's analog instead of electronic yeah. sounds, which may, of course is better any anytime you can get the analog sound rather than electronic sound. I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then, uh, and then the feet. Yeah. So there's the whole pedal board, and <laughs> you play with your feet, and it's mostly just used for just doing the bass line. Okay. So you can have a separate bass line that you can do all the other stuff with your hands, but occasionally pieces will call for you know the melody in the pedal or more complex lines so it really is just an, an extra keyboard that you just play with both of your feet okay this sounds so complicated uh and and for your hands and for the keyboards on, on top that you use with your hands can you split that and so that with your right hand you'd be playing the flute sound and with your left hand you'd be playing some other sound yeah, so you can split it on one keyboard, but that's where you would play like your right hands on the bottom keyboard and your left hand oh. on the top. So you can have, you know, the melody of the solo in the right hand and then accompany with the left hands. So that's this a lot like, of possibilities. You're like a, you're like a kit player a little bit <laughs> in that you have to yeah. have such separation between your limbs. I mean, you really mentally yeah. got to separate them and play them, treat them as separate entities that as it just blows my mind that you. Yeah, that you really have to be a one-man band. <laughs> <laughs> one-man orchestra, in fact. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right, back to this piece um, that we're going to play. Now that we now that we kind of have an idea of um, of what you're doing with your body and your hands and, mm-hmm. and feet. How did you choose what so- what sounds to play for this piece, or does the does the composer tell you? Some composers will like write out in detail in their music. Like, I want this sound at this point in this town, change it here. But a lot of composers, especially Basil Harwood in this piece, he gives little to no indication about what specific sounds he wants. Um, those pieces kind of, you have to know the style, you have to know the tradition. So there's like a English way of registering and like what sounds to use, the French way, what's an American way. And ultimately, ultimately it's left up to the performer, but there's a kind of tradition of, you know, what you should do. And then obviously use your ear to hear what sounds good in the space and on the instrument. But I'll be obviously with the help of my teachers and professors are uh, teaching me how to have a more nuanced and more interesting way of registering. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of options and it can be kind of exhaustive sometimes, you know, which sound I want, but yeah, you know, that's I, I kind of what makes it interesting too, you know. When you're learning a new piece, you must experiment. Yeah, I mean, you kind of know just from doing a lot of pieces and registering different organs, like what kind of works. But yeah, each each organ is different, as I said. So, you know, when I whenever I get to a new organ, I spend like the first hour or so just experimenting with all the different stops and see how the sounds blend together and wow. which ones work well and which ones don't work well. So you kind of have to get acquainted with the instrument first to really know what's going to work. So you got to get to the gig early. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> practice time is very important. Yeah. All right. So what were your challenges with learning this piece for this recital? 
well, the registration, obviously, first, because there was no indication. So I had to come up with a lot of it just on my own. Um, but also just um, this, this kind of style of piece, you know, being English and dramatic. Uh, there's a lot of, like, musical aspects that I've, I learned from this piece, you know, from, like, the soft kind of swelling crescendo of the beginning of, like, musical timing and pulling back in rubato and playing with time to have a more dramatic effect. I think I learned a lot from that. And it is very dramatic. So let's take a listen to uh, Noah Klein playing organ uh, for a recital at Yale back in February. Here it is. The piece is written by Basil Harwood.
This is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. You just heard my guest today, Noah Klein, play a portion of the Basil Harwood Organ Sonata Number no. 1, Opus 5, recorded in February at his recital at Yale University. So like we said right before we played this, it's dramatic. And, and I love how you can both hear the really big, big sound of the organ, the very mm-hmm. dramatic in that way, uh, and then also very tender part and that brings its own drama of course and really beautifully done wow thank you wow sounds like anyway there's some very technical uh technically difficult parts in in that piece Mm -hmm. yeah wow okay so how about the future what what is your right now you're uh, got a job as the director of music and it's a new job and you're going to stay at that and all that but if you look into the future what's what's your dream job as an organist yeah, I, that's a good question. <laughs> I've been thinking <laughs> about that a lot too. But I mean, honestly, just anything that pays for me to keep playing organ. <laughs> so I mean, in most cases, most organists, they get their regular career from being a director of music at a church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would like to be one of those, at like a large church, or even just, you know, just playing the organ at a church. I think that'd be good. But there's also a good opportunity for teaching. At a university, that would be good, but also just I could, you know, a lot of organists have private studios of teaching, so I think that might be an avenue I would explore more, having some students and getting more with that. Uh, so this is pretty much uh, in the classical realm, mm-hmm. uh, I would say. Have you thought about doing any other kind of music, uh, let's say playing Hammond organ uh, in, a, in a band? Has that, has that ever come across your plate? I haven't had too much experience with the Hammonds. We, we've had a couple lessons here at Yale for one of our classes. But yeah, the Hammond is a very different, it, it's called an organ, but it's like a very different beast <laughs> compared yes, exactly. to a traditional organ. So right. it, it's a very fun instrument to play, but there's just a lot. There's a whole history and tradition of the Hammond playing that I haven't been acquainted to. So I feel like I would have to learn more about that before I would play with any kind of band or anything. But it, it's a very fun instrument to play. And I want to play more of it in the future. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that to branch out from the, just the classical, of course, this is my bias talking because mm-hmm. I'm not classically trained at all for anything. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> but, you know, to, to stretch the genre of what you're doing, and I guess really that takes playing a different kind of organ because you can't, you can't tote a, an organ with you to gigs. Um, you know, yeah. right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's the downside. Speaking of that, what we were just talking about and opening yourself up to different genres, when I was looking for quotes for, for uh, this week for you, and I was looking at famous organ players, see if they had anything mm-hmm. to, interesting to say, um, I came across the name of uh, a jazz organist, and I'm sorry I didn't write the name down, but I, I found that fascinating that there's people who play jazz on your traditional church organ. Mm-hmm. Is that anything that you studied? Yeah. So even one of the pieces I'll be playing uh, this Wednesday at my recital, uh, it's a piece by William Bolcom, Amazing Grace from his Gospel Preludes. And it, it's a whole collection of pieces that are very much written in a very jazzy style. So it's almost as if he like transplanted like Hammond's organ, you know, playing to the traditional church, or, church organ. So cool. I'm playing one of the, and those pieces are really fun to play. Like I've, I learned that piece a couple years ago and I've learned a lot just from playing that like very jazzy kind of uh, contemporary piece. Cause it taught me a lot about rhythm that I don't get from a lot of classical repertoire. So that's an avenue I really want to explore more. I'm 
I'm currently learning some more Bokum like jazz pieces. So awesome. I want to kind of branch out into those, you know, genres you wouldn't typically hear on a church organ. So I, I'm really interested by that. Definitely push those boundaries. Why not? I mean, you're the yeah. right age to be doing that kind of thing. Not <laughs> exactly. that can't, us old people can't do that either. But <laughs> <laughs> So let's turn to our quote of the week. And this is actually from, um, it's just a little passage from Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. So I saw that, thought that was pretty cool that he's yeah. talking about the organ. At that moment, I heard the vague chords of the organ, a sad harmony under an indefinable melody, veritable wails of a soul that wished to break all terrestrial ties. I listened with all my senses, hardly breathing, plunged like Captain Nemo in one of those musical ecstasies which took him beyond the limits of this world. That's a pretty great quote. Yeah, <laughs> it's very dramatic. Very dramatic quote and for mm-hmm. a very dramatic instrument. So when you first mm-hmm. read that quote, what came to your mind? You know, he kind of imbues in the organ a very kind of mystical, magical quality. Yes. Which, you know, I think kind of makes sense because, you know, the organ historically has been really tied to the church, you know, very sacred space. So I think a lot of people view it as a very uh, kind of intimidating, you know, righteous instrument. Righteous, but, nice. yeah. And it is also the king of instruments. You know, it's a very you know grand instrument. It can really make the whole room shake, which not a lot of instruments can do. Right. And yeah, I just th- I think it really speaks to you know how people see the organ as a very kind of it can be a very loud, intimidating character, but also can have very soft moments. It can be very loud, but it can be very soft and genteel and have very nice melodies. So. It's a very, it's an instrument of contrast. And I think it's captured well in this quote. I agree. I agree. And I also think back to before there was uh, amplified sound. You go into a church, which usually had a lot of really great acoustics. And I can imagine the power of that organ where if you see it, bands or groups or whatever, because they're not amplified, you got to get pretty close to hear them. I mean, if it's a big group, of mm-hmm. course, they're going to have more, more volume. But stepping into a church and hearing an organ with all the different sounds sounding like a full orchestra and filling the whole space has, has had got to have been a kind of a, a very spiritual experience in my mind. Yeah. Well, yeah. Especially when you take into account the organ for a lot of history has been the most complex, like mechanical machine besides a watch, you know, that humans could build. So it's a very, you know, complex machine. And all these, you know, small town churches in 16th century Europe, they would go and hear the organ and it would just be very, you know, they, they couldn't hear that anywhere else. Right. And even in terms of like organ construction, like there's a lot of parallels between how organs are built and like the human body. It's like there's a lot of symmetry. The pipes have the languid, like we have the tongue. We talk about the speech of the pipe. So I feel, you know, when we build these big instruments, we kind of, you know, imbue our own kind of humanist to it you know it's it's very much a product of you know what we want to hear and i think that says a lot about it it does the complexity of it rose above probably everything else like you said except for maybe the watch watch mechanics that's really really interesting yeah especially in these like you know uh, medieval churches you know renaissance churches and these small european towns you know the the local organ at the church was the source of pride so you'd have these like competitions between, you know, neighboring villages of who had like the better organs. So 
one church would install an organ and then another would make a slightly bigger one and then they would make a slightly bigger <laughs> one. So, you know, it's very much a point of pride. So, a lot of churches and a lot of spaces are very you know, proud of their organ. So turning to the next song that we're going to play today, it's very different from the first one, a very different mm-hmm. feel. Set this up for us and why you chose it and uh, maybe your challenge is learning this tune as well. Yeah, so this piece uh, by César Franck, it's titled P.S. Heroique. It's the French title, but heroic piece, obviously in English. Um, this is one of his most famous pieces. He uh, he wrote it after some uh, after some war in France. You know, France was very decimated by this recent war, and he kind of wanted to um, energize the French spirit <laughs> with this piece, you know, heroic piece. So. It kind of has the whole undertone of, you know, war and unrest in it. But ultimately, at the end, it ends very triumphantly and heroically. So this is a very dramatic piece, as in the Basil Harwood, but it it kind of achieves that in a different way with kind of a foreboding, almost ominous melody at the beginning before having, you know, various lyrical uh, quiet sections before building up to a very loud climactic end. It seems to be a little bit more almost jazz-like in when I was listening to it. The the notes that are being played together. I don't know what struck why it struck me that way, but um. I think it's just probably how you know he used harmony and it kind of uses a lot of unorthodox harmonic shifts. There you uh, go. Especially at that time, so it's it's a very kind of French uh, harmonic language, which I think is kind of unique and very lovely. I think. What were your challenges with this one? Were they any different from the first one? Um, they're, they're kind of similar because, you know, they're both, both has to do a lot with timing and, you know, how you stretch out a phrase and how you, how you play with time for dramatic effects. But also just getting into the whole French tradition is, it was something I'm not, I wasn't very well versed in at the time of learning it. So this was a very good piece for me to learn this entire, you know, French romantic genre. And we're playing the last movement, I guess you'd say the last piece of three that you played. And so I, I'm, I don't even know if I'm starting it at the beginning of the piece or not. It's the last four and a half minutes of the uh, recital that you sent me. And so let's listen to Noah Klein playing a César Franck piece at a recital a few years ago.
This is Musician Talk, and I'm your host, Pauline Jennings. My guest today is Noah Klein, organist extraordinaire. You just heard him play a portion of a Cesar Franck piece at a recital a few years ago. All right, so we're at the portion of the show that is best gig, worst gig. And so most of your gigs have been recitals or playing at, and or playing at church. So do you have any stories for us? Yeah, I, I don't know if I would say there's been a lot of like worst gigs because, you know, these are all churches that invite me and they're all very nice. <laughs> but um, well, often I, I it's the a- technical <laughs> side of things that make a bad, a bad gig. And because you don't have a lot of you just have one instrument. And if that thing's working, you're good to go. So, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, most of them have luckily been pretty um, smooth sailing, I would say. But uh, I have had a few gigs. I guess the one I mentioned earlier, uh, this church invited me to do um, kind of a guest recital to show off their organ, the 60th anniversary of them getting their organ. It, it was not very, it was not like the best organ. <laughs> it was a very small, very humble instrument. And they wanted me to play a full hour on that, um, which I did. And it was, it was kind of fun getting to work with that, but it was a very limiting instrument. But I mean, they were just so nice to me. <laughs> they were so proud of their instrument that I just, I had to make the best of it. And I, I thought it went pretty well. Well, I got to imagine these small towns don't have the funds or probably the expertise or probably somebody with the expertise in town to, to care for these. I got to believe that that's a problem in all these small churches. The yeah, the so organ. definitely a lot of churches have, you know, old decrepit organs. But I think what a lot of churches are doing now is getting digital organs, which uh-huh. eliminates the need for any tuning. And then you can have a lot of different sample sounds to you. So I think that's a good alternative that more people are turning to. So how about best gig? Well, in the last recording you just played, that was in a recital I did at Trinity Church Wall Street in New York. And that that was a very fun gig to play because that was my first time being in New York City. And I was invited to play along with one other person from uh, Indiana University, another pipe organist. We were invited to play in this series, which showcases um, organ students from conservatories across the country. So that was a very uh, great opportunity for me to kind of show my skills with that and do a New York City gig. So yeah. uh, that was very fun, you know, see the sights and everything. So what an honor to be asked to do that as yeah. well. Wow. Yeah. So that was that was a very um, probably one of my better gigs, I would say. What was this organ like? Was it? massive or um well it's st paul or uh, trinity church wall street i should say they have two spaces so the big space the big organ that was under repair so we couldn't play there so we had to play in their smaller chapel but even then that chapel was you know quite large (laughs) compared to what i'm used to but it was just a very nice instrument and also very nice space and had good acoustics so especially at the ending of the piece that you just played you know, it gets very loud and dramatic. It's, it's very fun hearing it in that space. And I think that organ handled it really well. I got to imagine being in the space for those recitals must have been overwhelming at some points. Just listen to that, how it fills that sound must just fill your whole body. That's really, really yeah. cool. So let's talk about this gig that's coming up in Northfield um, that you're flying in for, I assume, here coming mm-hmm. up pretty soon, because uh, mm-hmm. it's on Wednesday at 1215 at UCC in Northfield, and it's a free concert or a free recital. Mm-hmm. Yep. Why and how did you get this uh, recital set up? Uh, well, the person who uh, runs the series for the past 15 years, Richard Coleman, he was my first organ teacher. So 
Yeah, uh-huh. once he, <laughs> oh, so he loves nice. inviting me back, you know, a former student. So I think this is my fifth time, I believe, coming back to play for this. So uh, it's, it's always a treat to, no, you know, yeah. playing for the Houghton crowd. Yes, that is really, really cool. So I encourage all of you listening to get over there if you can uh, on Wednesday at 1215 at UCC to hear Noah play his instrument live, which is really the place to hear organ music is in the church. So mm-hmm. yeah. thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, Noah, to, to Zoom meet with me so we could get a chance to talk before your recital. That's it's just awesome. And we yeah. learned so much about the organ today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. And I'm glad I can put the good word out there for the organ. So. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again and take care. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Many thanks to Noah for sharing his musical journey and his talents with us today. Thanks always to Wendy Nordquist and to you for listening to Musician Talk on the One, KYMN. Have an incredible day.